With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With the bases loaded and intentional walk to Barry Bonds. Two and two with the bases loaded and one out. Welcome in everyone to episode 139 of the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host Mike Curlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. And tonight I am joined by George and Zach. Both are here. Zach's staying consistent. I'm surprised. I like to see it. But <laughs> you, can follow, you can follow them on Twitter. Uh, Zach is at Z. George is at Roto underscore Nino. Gentlemen, what's going on? Zach, you know what? George, hold on. Zach, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. What is it? Two weeks in a row that I've joined you guys. I don't know what's going on. Just uh... I, either do I. It's weird. You can leave now. Um, but <laughs> in all seriousness, though, George, how are you, buddy? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Took a little vacation, little family trip uh, to visit my mom over in Texas. So just got back yesterday. Twelve hour drive. Ugh. Yeah, you can keep you hey, can keep that least, mess. At least you got in and out burger on the way. Yes, I did. We, we yeah. are jealous. You sent us the pictures. You sent us the pictures, and I was like, and we got into this whole discussion because I've never had In and Out because I don't travel to the West Coast, and I'm from Florida, and nice I'm totally like, dude, I I could see that, and the fact the yeah. fat kid in me was like super jealous. <laughs> I think my mouth salivated at the pictures, like legitimately. The last time we were together was our In or Out, and I'm like, all yeah. right, I want some In and Out. <laughs> so you got some, yeah. Hey, yeah. You, you had to do what you had to do. But if you might, you might notice these two aren't as echoey. They finally, after yeah. literally a year or so of begging these guys, they both got new mics. Well, one was a gift and one decided to finally listen. And you can guess yeah, which mine, one. <laughs> mine was a, a Valentine's Day. Mine was a Valentine's Day gift because I, I had, I've been mentioning for a year, like, oh, I need, I need to upgrade my mic. I need to upgrade my mic. <laughs> she listened. Yes. Yes. We, so. we men should take notes because I never listen to my wife. Yeah. <laughs> she told me not to record tonight pretty much and here i am but uh george yeah. got a gift and i got a nice deal from uh chris clegg who was looking to upgrade his mic he sold me his old mic and it's really Just, a nice guess who, guess who bought mic my, here guess so. who bought my old mic and then he bought your old mic. Yeah, it's he just bought. a ripple down effect here. Well, you have to remember, and it all goes back to the beginning when I gave you my mic because I upgraded because I'm always upgrading. I'm done. This is it for a long time. This is my baby. All I'm right, no one cares. No, I told you send it back to. Me. I'll use it as a desk, a paperweight or something. It's a memorabilia. I'll sign it because you know I'm a big, I'm a big time guy. <laughs> anyway, all right, let's get to it. Tonight we're talking outfield. You can probably tell by the uh, 
the title you clicked on. We're going to get into our outfield previews, and we're going to talk about the top 25 according to NFBC formats since January 1st. Some of these guys will breeze right through. Others will spend a little more time on. Some we've spoken on in other position pre- positional previews. So we'll see how it goes. But we're going to try to get to the top 25. Time permitting, maybe we'll go a little farther, but no promises. But before we do that, a quick word from our sponsor. A quick reminder that the Bases Loaded Podcast is part of the Rotoballer Radio Network. And with the Bases Loaded Podcast continuing as part of the Rotoballer Radio Network, since 2013, Rotoballer has been grinding away, providing millions of fantasy baseball fanatics their fix for in-depth MLB analysis and player news. If you haven't heard, Rotoballer's 2021 MLB Draft Kit is live, and all Bases Loaded Pod listeners can get 10% off Rotoballer's Draft Kit by using the discount code BASESLOADED. That's BASESLOADED, all one word. Rotoballer is home to number one fantasy pros accuracy ranker Nick Mariano. Nick's 2021 rankings and projections are available as part of the Rotoballer draft kit, along with printable cheat sheets, our top draft sleepers, and more than 300 2021 player outlooks and tons of in-season tools. All of this fantasy baseball goodness from Rotoballer is available for 10% off with the discount code BASESLOADED. Just go to rotoballer.com slash BASESLOADED and get your draft kit today. All right, let's dive into this outfield. Uh, right at the top, it's almost pretty much the top of the draft. You have Ronald Acuna, Mookie Betts, Juan Soto, Mike Trout. I feel like George and I have had this argument a couple times on this podcast via text. Yeah, we don't need a we don't need a rehash all that. But again. Zach is again. Zach hasn't been around, so it's time to get Zach's opinion. We we can still chime in, but those top four, how do you rank them? Let's start with that. I think it really depends what what style oh, here we go. Of league we're playing. Uh, I think I think we gear more towards Roto here. I feel like that's kind of what our our rankings are. Fine. Are Start with Roto. Of. Start with Roto. If we're going Roto, I'm probably going Acuna one. <laughs> <sighs> still, I'm still torn, man. Uh, it's obviously a consensus between Acuna, Betts, Soto, Trout. I think that I would probably I would probably go Betts two, just because I think it's a a safer floor with stolen bases with him. And then I would probably go Trout three and Soto four. Okay, I'm not I'm not the only one that's on Trout over Soto train. And the the big argument here for some reason, and it shouldn't be an argument. You shouldn't. None of these picks should sink your season. Like the, I think all these picks are still safe to a point. Some more than others. Like you mentioned, bets a certain way. Trout being Trout, but I just you see the argument too much on Twitter and other places. It's really, it really is preference, in my opinion. And George here, he'll tell you he's a Soto guy. He'll take Soto, I think, was high second out of these three, four here. Yeah, I, I am a Soto guy. Um, I, I think the conversation was more uh, between like Soto and Trout because I actually would lean bets number would two. Would you? Okay. Yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, between Soto and Trout, um, I would lean Soto. And it's because of the, uh, the batting average and because and you trust the stolen bases even a little more at this point don't you yeah and i think you got one you know uh 22 years old and really you know on the upswing just entering his prime uh and then you have mike trout who i mean he's still very much (laughs) mike trout right (laughs) he's still very much mike trout he's 29 i mean for me the thing was just the trends over the last couple seasons of him uh you know being very much more fly ball heavy and um you you see the batting average, which is is still great, you know, 291, 281 over the last two years. And I mean, he's Mike freaking Trout. If he wanted to hit more line drives and have a better batting average, I'm sure he could. Um, but it's just what I've seen over the last two years. I trust the batting average more for Soto. I think he's probably more likely to hit over 300. He hit a crazy what like 330 
351 last 351. year. 351. Yeah. I don't want to. I, I don't. I don't I'm not buying. Like I can't. I'm not. Yeah, he's not a three. He's obviously not going to repeat that. But if I have to, you know, put my money pick. on someone to hit over 300, I'm going to say Juan Soto. Oh, I man. think you're looking at between like a 300, 320 max. I don't think you're going to get anywhere close to 350. Obviously, it's much smaller sample size. But I mean, Trout. I I still think that his his counting stats are, I just think it's a much safer floor than Soto. I mean, we still only have two full seasons of production from Soto, whereas we've got, what, almost 10 years of production, consistent production from Trout. And I just, I, I feel I feel more safe taking the safer floor. Um, and Soto, I, I, just, I, I think there's going to be some regression with the batting average. And I, I still, trust me, I, I love the Soto pick still, but I just think Trout is a safer pick um i mean saying there's going to be regression on the 351 average is kind of obvious though right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i'm just I, i'm there's i've seen a lot of tweets about this in the past week i just i don't think we're gonna see a average like that in a full season some people were saying that they still expect him to hit for that high of an average and i'm just uh, I, I, don't, I don't think it's gonna happen i think he could still hit in the low 300s but i don't think there's anything close to a 330 and above average that we're going to see from him in a full season. Yeah, and that's where I'm at. But still, we're, again, I think we're nitpicking. People argue that Soto's floor is similar to the Trouts with a higher ceiling, and I can get that. But I'm also on the side of like, well, it's still Mike freaking Trout. And fine, we'll transition over to points leagues. And I know Juan Soto is still ahead of Trout for you, George, but does Juan Soto jump these other two as well in the process? Uh, yes, Juan Soto's number one for me in points. See, he'd be number two for me behind Mike Trout. <laughs> Would you agree with that, Zach? Or are you going to go with Soto over Trout in points leagues? In points leagues? Oh, God. I mean, <laughs> I think the strikeout rate is a little bit more alarming with Trout in a points league. Um I think I probably would lean Soto for that reason. Oh gosh, I'm by myself. It's an it's a lonely, lonely island. I never thought I'd, I would never thought I'd see the day where I'm on an island by myself picking Mike Trout out of a group of three people. Honestly, for, for Roto though, I know a lot of the concern has been over the stolen base numbers with Trout. I really think that in the end, I think Soto and Trout are going to be similar. I think you can expect like 10 to 15 bags. I think Trout could run more than we're used to seeing in the past few years. But I, 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 a lot of people just think Trout is done running. I don't think that's the case. I think, I'm with you. I still think he's a lock for at least 10 bags, which is kind of where Soto is as well. Yeah, I don't know. I think, again, I think it's nitpicking. I like them both. I think they both belong in the top four. I just usually, like I said, I reverse them as well. Let's move over to Christian Yelich. He's a guy I'm obviously high on, or a big believer in the bounce back, I should say. But are either of you at all worried about Christian Yelich? Either of you have your reservations at all entering 2021? No, we we kind of talked about it in the last episode. I really kind of think that 2020, uh, I mean, his hard hit numbers were, were all still there. He was hitting the ball as hard as ever. Uh, he was just really striking out a ton. Uh, we, we were talking about uh, the in-play video game, vi- video game. The video usage really affected him. Uh, we're really getting think, that back. We're getting yeah, that back. We are getting that back, so that could help him. And there's some other guys on this list that that will probably help as well. But I'm really not concerned. We still saw him running last year. A lot of concern was that he wasn't going to run. He still did run. Uh, the knee doesn't really seem to be an issue. I really just think it was it was a weird year for a lot of guys. I think that's a year that you can kind of write off for Yelich. And I mean, he was going what top three last year, and now he's what uh, top five, top six outfielder S- off the board. Twelve. Yeah, he's a twelfth overall 
12 well, 11 total. he's going 11.5 on average so but yeah but he's the fifth outfield outfield off the ball yeah i don't think that much has changed that so i think if you're grabbing him at the end of a 12 team draft uh in the first i think that's a, i think it's great value and i'm not too concerned what about you george uh so we kind of touched on yelich uh last time uh well <laughs> that's I'm what zach even... said too and i'm like i still don't remember that but i believe you guys i'll take you both yeah, for your word. well it's true we we pointed out i remember pointing out his uh swing percentage right like he was a lot less yes aggressive. okay so it's coming back to me a little bit. <laughs> it's all coming back <laughs> yeah uh, i think the yeah that because that little stat must have triggered it because we did talk about that uh you know we saw the strikeout rate go up you know 30 percent uh, I kind of thought, you know, was it the knee that maybe bothered him and maybe led to him being less aggressive? I, I don't know. But I'm pretty much, you know, with you guys in, as far as, like, a bounce back uh, coming for Yelich. I think that's that's pretty safe. Uh, Zach mentioned the, the steal. Like, he was still running. He still had four, four steals. Um, so I don't think, like, he's going to steal 30 bases. I, I do think, like, 2019 is going to, like, be his career year it's going to stand out as like the outlier like career year for Yelich. so i don't think you can expect like you know 40 30 and a 300 uh, batting average again but i think he's still going to be very much a very solid five category contributor who deservingly should go in the first round yeah just a few numbers uh he hit 205 last year that was with a babip of 259 he's a career 296 hitter and uh and that was again factoring in the 205 that he hit last year and he's never hit 282 at, in any um, major league season prior to 2020. You also you mentioned the just lack of uh, aggression. But even with what was, was considered a down season for Yelich, he's still a WRC plus of 112, which is above league average. You want about roughly, I think 100 is like league average at, right at that point. So above 100 is plus, above, below uh, 100 is below average. So he had above average WRC plus, and he hit just 196 against right-handed pitching when he's a career 301 hitter against right-handed pitching. So there's a lot. That's a lot of way. That's just a lot of numbers that suggest positive regression is coming. I don't see him being the guy we saw last year in terms of the batting average and strikeouts. Bryce Harper is the next guy up. I lied. Cody Bellinger is the next guy up. But I wanted to be Bryce Harper because I like Bryce Harper more. But Cody Bellinger, there was reports that I guess he's getting back into shape today or something. There's um about his shoulder, he's re- his recovery process. It almost seems vague. Like, is he going to be ready for the start of the season? I think he will be, but I don't know. I feel like he should be farther along. But I, it's tough. I didn't really get much of a read from the – from the, the the little blurb, do either of you know anything about that? The thing that I saw was that he was taking one-handed swings. Yeah, that's I mean, what we're, I'm saying. We're in February here. Like, we're yes. ramping up. Like, next week, teams are winning. Um, I have a lot of shares of Cody Bellinger across <laughs> the numerous Whoops. leagues that I've, I'm in. I took him last year in TGFBI, and he really hurt me. Um, I don't know. I'm just I'm really concerned about this report that came out today. Shoulder is really not something you want to mess with. Um, it's clear that this has been an issue for him before, just um, dislocating shoulder. I mean, concerned if he's going to keep running. I mean, he's he just he's all over the place in the field. He's a grinder. He's diving all over the place. Like, is this going to kind of change his style of play? It's possible. Um, and he's just he just it's a very unsafe floor for Cody Bellinger. I mean, we've seen the past few years where he's just kind of, he's tailed off. What? So in 2017 was his rookie year, came on the scene, 39 home runs, and then he dropped down to 260. The following year, uh, we saw some regression in the home run department. Um, I mean, 2020, it was just a really 
ugly year. He had a lot of hot streaks. Very streaky player. A twenty, two thirty nine average, three thirty three on base, four fifty five slugging. Um, just we're expecting more from Cody Bellinger, especially when he was what maybe like a top five, top six player off the board in twenty twenty. So obviously he's dropped a little bit due to that production, but it it just he's not the safest player to me in this spot, and especially with injury concerns that came out this week. I am I'm very concerned about Bellinger and what kind of production we're going to see from him this year. Yeah, Bellinger's a guy I'm not like we saw the breakout in 2019 and you mentioned the batting averages but I just don't know what people are expecting. I think he's closer to the 260 hitter we've seen in every other uh, instance. Yeah. He hit 267 in 17, 260 in 18, 239 in 2020, and yeah, he hit 303 in 2019. That was inflated by the third through the 336 that he hit in the first half. First half so, yeah. Bellinger if you had to guess the second half of 2019, can you guess what he hit? 260. <laughs> 261. Bellinger yeah. hit 261 in the second half of 2019. So my point is, is there's minus the one really crazy hot first half of the juice ball uh, era slash season. He put up a crazy batting average that he's yet to really replicate even a little bit in other seasons, it seems like. So I'm more inclined to believe that he is a 260 hitter, but power speed it's all there it's just a matter of health and when you have health concerns along with production concerns and he could be hitting like sixth he showed i mean they did it last year he could hit lower half of the lineup we don't know where they're gonna plan on hitting him there's enough questions there for me to knock him down my draft board just a little bit george you have anything else to add or say or maybe push back about bellinger nope no, I think nope. you guys are pretty much right. I mean, the plate discipline, the contact, everything else was pretty consistent. Um, it was just that batting average down at 239, and that BABIP of 245 pretty much explains that. I, he He's going to bounce back. It's just not going to be to 300. At, you know, I agree in that he's probably closer to that 260. Yeah, so Bryce Harper's the next one. You know what? Before we go on to another player, I forgot to ask you guys. I, even, I put it on top of my notes and forgot to ask you when we started. I was just so excited Zach was here is what it is. Um, <laughs> we had that um, – here, let me scroll up and find it. We have we had news on some like in-game video access coming back this year. Balls are being altered, and they're being de-juiced, essentially. <sighs> you know, like, all the player analysis I've done, I want to redo it now, right? There's so oh much my gosh. There's so much to consider and, and put into your analysis now. How much will this help J.D. Martinez? The signs are going to be blurred out. So maybe like, if there was cheating – that's going to be a little less. It's going to be a little less helpful because they're going to have the blurred out signs from the catcher. So whatever in-game videos coming back, people like JD Martinez and Baez mentioned that being a huge help. You have uh, the balls getting dejuiced. So now home, fringe home run hitters, maybe those fringe twenty home run guys like a Whit Merrifield takes a hit because of this. Where are you guys at with this stuff? Are you just trying to take it all in? There's so, the season's already hard enough. Oh, I forgot. Isn't there five unnamed? Uh, uh, stadiums that are getting a humidor as well. Like, there's a oh lot going on. <laughs> Did not hear that. Yeah, there's five. I believe they're unnamed at this time, but there were five. I think there's five new stadiums. It's funny how they're, they're dropping all this info on us when there's a week to go to, to pitchers and catchers here. Yeah, uh, I mean, just... it's 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 pretty much on brand with MLB, though, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. I honestly don't really know what to make of it all yet. I mean, I, I still have to dive in and see what's really yeah. going on there. And Yeah, uh, USA Today, sure. MLB slightly deadening ball, adding humidors in five more parks amid home run surge, according to reports. Yes, okay, I wasn't crazy. I don't think they've named the parks yet. So you couldn't, you can't even make this, uh, 
Yeah, the, the the memo did not, which remains difficult. Well, yeah, the five teams adding humidors were not identified in the memo. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that out there. Like, we'll yeah, find so out we, once once everybody drafts, we'll find out. Oh, yeah. That's why it's like, if there was ever, like, last year was a season to wait, this year might be another season to wait and put your drafts off till we get more information because all this stuff, we don't know, like, is it going to be a minor dejuicing of the balls? Is it going to be, like, a big kind of, like, a, oh, crap, balls are traveling five to ten feet shorter now? Like, that changes. Guys like Albies, who I really like, makes me like them a little less. Guys like Whit Merrifield, I just took them in a draft. Whoops. <laughs> like, yeah. well, we I, saw, I, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's weird. Like, you, we just don't really know. I just, I don't know how I'm going to change my, you know, projections or anything, like, based off of this information. Cause it's like, we made a huge deal about it in Arizona a few years ago, right? But then Cattell Marte comes out and has a career year who you think of Cattell Marte as someone who, could probably be you know affected by something like this you know how much power does he really have but i, I don't know it's you just throw it regardless the wall. of the humor yeah that's a that's a good point that you brought up george i was going to say arizona and then last year the mets added it at city field as well and we saw guys like dom smith and michael conforto kind of have career years obviously all sample size but um i don't know how much it really does affect it um i don't know we'll have to wait to see some more info coming out. But the out, ball, think... the ball change along with humidors. Like yeah. now you're they're just keep they keep piling on. So so it's gonna something's gonna give, you know. Like and Dom Smith isn't the most powerful guy. He's a guy that was doing the doing what he did because I think he had like a good pull. He was pulling the ball a lot, really trying to manufacture that power. He's a guy that would take a hit to like to like other parts of the field now. So stuff like that you have to consider. You gotta look at plate approach a lot. Maybe the guys that are hitting these home runs, like, oh, av- their average homer distance is really short but what if it's like mostly pull side those pull side home runs will probably still stick even if they're short shorter home runs because they're generating the power by getting getting around on the ball and pulling it so there's just little things like but the problem is is you're are you really going to do that over a pool of 750 people no it's really hard to do so i don't i don't know i'm just i know we're rambling at this point but there's just so much going on that we don't know so stay tuned and we will update you when we get the information but there's just so much being changed um we'll talk about yeah, we'll probably get to jd martinez he's i think i don't know actually is it, is it dh only so yeah we'll have to talk about him another night but he's a guy that um definitely should fa- get gain from this a little bit as, lo- as well as javier baez but at the same time how much do you want to put into in-game video access it's just good to know that we have it so these players that made these excuses don't have the same excuses going into this year so if they suck then that's on them. Like, plain and simple. If they're bad, it's on them. So we were on Bryce Harper. We got to move this along. Gosh, what am I doing? Um, George. Vintage Curlin. I know, always. <laughs> uh, one thing that will never change. The one constant is I will always be me. Um, and Bryce Harper. George, what are your thoughts on him overall? I mean, he's kind of, I mean, is he kind of underrated at this point? You mentioned, like, maybe wanting him over Bellinger. And oh, there's no I'm maybe. kind of with you. There's... I want, there's no maybe. I've I've ranked it that way for, for since the offseason started. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they are essentially the same at this point, right? I mean, you know, this year, <laughs> Harper, you know, 13 home runs, 8 steals, 268 average. Yeah, I, I just think, I think he's fantastic, you know, fantastic second-round pick. I, I like Harper a lot. Uh, this year, you mentioned he hit 268. The reason why I'm actually in on him being a little better, and maybe we'll see if some of these changes, because he's kind of changed his approach a little bit. But first off, just the batting average with Harper. His bat pip was just 279, and his expected batting average was 39 points higher. So right there shows he should have produced a better batting average this year. 
But for the third straight season, we've seen Bryce Harper's average exit velocity, barrel rate, and hard hit rate all increase. Um, we've also seen the ground ball rate trend downward with the fly ball rate trending upward. And Harper actually has began to hit to more of the, like all the fields. So he's had a more all fields approach. And somebody with his power, you don't need, like, I think he was getting a little pull heavy, pull happy. That's why the shift was beating him so bad. But if he's willing to go to all fields and hit the ball, like, pitchers are attacking him differently. So if he's able to kind of be more of the all fields hitter, the stuff will play and he'll be more of a four category producer because we don't need 50 home runs from Bryce Harper. You want 30 to 35, but if Harper's going to give you 30 to 35 with 15 stolen bases, but start hitting 270 again, you're getting a first round player in the second round. Mm-hmm. And I love Bryce yeah. Harper. I can't get enough of him. Zach, you can't talk me off of him. But no, I'm trying. not. I'm, I'm okay. actually with you. I'm actually with you on this. Uh, wow. I, I feel more comfortable taking Bryce Harper uh, in this early second than Cody Bellinger at this point. Oh, yeah. Um, the past two years, I mean, we've seen Bryce Harper really running a lot. Uh, second half of 2019, he he won people leagues in, the, in that last month with his running. And eight stolen bases last year. And yeah, I mean, you said it before, he's he's hitting the ball really as hard as ever. I mean, he's right in the prime of his career. He's in a great spot in that Philly lineup. I mean, Philly's lineup is actually pretty strong. I mean, he's batting between um, Alec Bohm is slotted in the two-hole, and JT Realmuto is right behind him with McCutcheon leading off right now. So, I mean, this is a solid Philly lineup. I mean, they brought back, um, I think, Didi. did they officially bring back Didi? I think so, right? Yeah. Yeah, so Didi's back in there. I mean, it's it's a solid lineup. I think there's going to be a ton of potential for him to to knock in runs and score some runs as well. And uh, it it it's clear that he is kind of getting the green light to run, and they're comfortable with him running, and he's healthy. Uh, so I I love him in this spot, and especially if you're in OBP leagues, my goodness, I love him in that spot as well. I mean, he's he's just an on base machine. Uh, 420 last year, 372. I mean, he's gonna get you close to 400 pretty much every year. It's a very safe floor with Bryce Harper, and I just feel so much more comfortable taking Harper than Bellinger in this spot. I. Glad I'm glad we're all we, I'm glad we all agree, but it's kind of boring. But yes, Harper is definitely underappreciated, underrated, and somebody who needs to be on your team. Um, you know, I was just thinking about it because I see Kyle Tucker here as the eighth outfielder, and I think that's more of a high stakes thing than it will be a general redraft. So what I'm gonna do because I think Yahoo still needs to get some more drafts under its belt. I want to get some Yahoo ADP compared to NFBC, and then talk about Yahoo leagues a little bit, and then probably do the same thing for ESPN because we have a lot of listeners that play in those formats. And if we can find some ADP and efficiencies on Yahoo and point, help point them out, uh, that'd be great. I think that'd be great help. I think ITL does something like that every year. So still in their idea, yeah. I guess, but good idea. <laughs> but I think, yeah, cause um, you just, it makes sense. It's a great, it's a good concept. And we all, I think the industry is almost shifted. Hey, this is when I need a little button that says tangent time. The end of the, 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 the fantasy baseball industry has shifted to NFBC essentially being the, the status quo of uh, that's the wrong word the it's the industry standard when it comes to to, to adp data so if, i think we all get carried away and focused on this one format when most people don't play in nfbc formats so yeah 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 we i think some of that too might be just like us playing you, it. like <laughs> well aside from that yeah uh, I, I think some of it too is just like everyone's starting their analysis earlier and earlier and doing more and more of it and you only have NFBC ADP to work with. Yeah. Um, and I then like the on top thing. of that, you just, right. Yeah. And then, I mean, these are high stakes, right? So people are laying down like pretty good money. And so you're seeing, you know, 
what kind of what players they're putting their money on, right? So you mentioned Kyle Tucker here going 31. I don't know, when you say more of a high stakes thing, you think he's going uh, higher at this point than where he would normally go or where he should go? I, I think I'm okay. I'm okay with where he's going. Like in, in a vacuum, I'd rather have Eloy Jimenez. Um, I would have said with Merrifield prior to the humidor news and the, cause we don't know if the, where the humidor is going. We don't know how the ball is going to affect him. So mm-hmm. with Merrifield's a guy, I'm kind of uh, probably dropping my down my ranks a little bit, but he's a guy that I just felt like that track record, that safety was there, the multi-position eligibility. So with Merrifield would be a guy I might have taken over Tucker, but I'm okay where he's going. I think the eighth overall uh, outfielder is fine. I just, I don't know. He's a guy that just comes to mind that was like, how much is NFBC formats pushing up his stock because he's young, flashy, similar to like Randy Rosarena, who we'll get to in a, in a little bit because um, he's a guy that's just kind of getting this this postseason tax plus his skill set being so sought after because speed gets pushed up in these formats. So ADP gets heavily uh, influenced by it. And I didn't mean to interrupt before I said, I said that before I meant like I said what I said with Erickson and I didn't, I said, I realized I sounded really rude when I was like, Oh, that's what I said. Like, no, that's not what I said today. That's why I said last episode with Erickson about how the industry just starts their analysis so early that the only NFBC ADP is all we have. Like, so yeah, that's what I was saying with Erickson. Not, I didn't just say that I sounded really snippy and rude. So I apologize, George. Although no, you know what? I, I didn't even take it that way at all. But now that you mentioned it, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Cal Tucker, we spoke about him on the last podcast. See, I remember that we spoke about, or at least one of the last podcasts, we did speak about him a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we talked about him last time. Okay, I like I like Kyle Tucker in the second, um, late second, early third. My only problem with him, which we talked about last time, is where he's going to be hitting in the lineup. Right now, he's he's slotted in the seventh hole. I could see him possibly being moved up to the sixth. I mean, this is with, even without George Springer, it's actually still a really strong lineup with Altuve, Bregman at the top, and then they brought back Brantley and Correa and Alvarez back now. So, I mean, there's a solid five right there. I mean, it might be tough to see Kyle Tucker moved up in the order, obviously, if he's tearing it up. But, yeah, they'll consider moving him up. I love the fact that he's going to be getting consistent playing time with Springer out of town now. But the only thing that concerns me, the two things that concern me are his position in the lineup and his ability to consistently get on base. Um, The on-base percentage is a little concerning to me and the walk rate, um, 7.5 walk rate last year. Um, I expect in a full season that to go down even a little bit more, Um, 325 on-base percentage. So if he's batting seventh in the lineup, and he's struggling to get on base. I mean, how many opportunities is he really going to have to run? I don't know. That's really my only concern with him. Other than that, uh, I do like him as a player now that he's getting at bats. Yeah, I, I like Kyle Tucker a lot. Uh, but to the point, you know, to your point, like he's probably definitely better, you know, in roto than like a points format. Uh, you yeah. mentioned the walk rates are, you know, kind of low. He's not going to be a batting average asset but he's not going to hurt you so what you're getting here like in a roto league is that you know 30 home, you know 25 to 30 homer and 20 steal upside uh which is very much that you know second to third round player so um i definitely like kyle tucker uh, more in roto than uh, points but uh, i think just in a vacuum I, yeah I, I think he's going in a good spot and you you mentioned mike about eloy i, I would probably make that flop as well i would i think i would rather have eloy and i think i would personally rather have the guy after him at 10 luis robert i would personally take both of those before kyle tucker i think we can talk about luis robert in a minute but and you said flop when it comes to eloy i'd rather you say flip i I don't want to see eloy flop but (laughs) eloy 
No, no, no. Flop is bad. Flip is okay because you're flipping him, putting him higher in the ADP. But uh, you mentioned Eloy. He's the ninth outfielder off the board right now, and he's going around 30, the 35th pick. Do I mean, what's there to say about him? That he like had his welcome to the show moment last year. Like He kind of broke out. We saw, we saw what we can do, man. I mean, middle of that great lineup. George, what are your thoughts on Eloy as a whole? I love Eloy, man. Uh-huh. I, he's It really started in the second half of 2019. I mean, he, he hit 292 uh, with 15 home runs in that second half of 2019, and, and he just carried it right over to, to this season, uh, hitting 296, 14 home runs. I, I mean, I, I think, yeah, uh, third round Eloy giving you, you know, 280, 290 batting average and a 40 home run upside and a ton of counting stats in that lineup. I will say the only downside of Eloy – is I think that he's a little bit more of a health risk than we think. You know, he he did miss time in 2019, uh, only played 122 games, and then last year, if you remember, like he did make it through the shortened season, but he didn't play in the playoffs, right? He he was hurt um, with a, a foot uh, foot problem. So I I think I, I'm afraid as Eloy ages, he's gonna be like destined for a DH role. Um, but no, I mean. He, he's a stud, though. You know, I, I, I will say that that's just a little minor um, red flag for me. Yeah, and, you know, we saw the the maturation in his game. Uh, we saw gains in the contact rates, We and obviously in doing so, cut down on swinging strikes. We saw him pull the ball less while going to all fields more as well. That's the type of thing that, like, like mentioning with Harper, his power will play. So if he's willing to be more, like, select, a little more selective at the plate at the same time, put the ball to all fields that'll play to an overall well-rounded skill set, which is more valuable than a power first asset anyway, because the power is going to play regardless. So that's Eloy. Next up is you mentioned Luis Robert. I can't do it with Luis Robert, man. It's just the free swinging nature. Luis Robert among qualified hitters. He was bottom 10 in O swing rate and overall contact rate as well. So there's a lot of swing and miss and beyond the swing and miss, like on strike, it's well, that is it. He's <laughs> there's just a lot of swing and miss. I'm not saying beyond that, <laughs> there's just a lot of swing and miss in this game. But similar to Monacy, he has the tools to make it make up for it because of that plus plus speed he has. So I don't know. I, I, I think he's fun. I think he's a great player to watch in real life, but he also bats seventh in that lineup. So Luis Robert, along with being very boomer bust with that profile. He's coming into his first real full season where pitchers have had a chance to see him now and adjust. And he has these free swinging, at least what I consider issues for the time being. I have a hard time paying up for Luis Robert coming and we don't really know what we're going to get. So that's my stance on Luis Robert. (laughs) Completely valid argument. I really can't argue against any of it um i probably would avoid luis robert in points league formats uh the only format i really would consider him is roto and like you said it's really just because of the stolen base potential there uh, i think we're gonna see an extremely high strikeout rate um his walk rate really isn't too bad so that'll definitely help in terms of getting on base and getting some stolen bags but uh yeah i mean we could see a rough year in the average department. But I just think in terms of Kyle Tucker, comparing him with Kyle Tucker, I think we could see 30, 40 stolen base potential from Robert in Roto formats compared to maybe like a a 20 stolen base ceiling from Kyle Tucker. So in that aspect, I like Robert a little bit more. But yeah, I think the plate discipline is still a major issue and maybe a couple of years away from uh, really being uh, a top of the lineup presence in Chicago. 
uh, obviously Tim Anderson at the top there. Um, I mean, we'll see what Adam Eaton does in the two hole. If he struggles, maybe you see Moncada or Luis Robert rise up in that order and they drop Eaton down. But but yeah, as of right now, he's batting in the bottom part of the order. It's not ideal until he figures out his plate discipline issues. But I think the stolen bases really just are a huge boosts in Roto. George, anything to add? Uh, no, you guys pretty much pretty much covered it. You know, Which of the... side of the fence are you on? I should ask. I, you know, the fact that I, <laughs> I, I've done plenty of drafts already, and I don't have any, you know, Luis Robert. So that just goes to tell you, you know, like I haven't taken him. So if faced with the decision, I'm, I'm probably passing. And it's gonna be fun because we're all in TGFBI again this year, so we'll have a chance to discuss the, discuss our teams and strategy more. And I'm hoping that you stick to your guns and get yourself some Luis Robert, so we can have this, this discussion again, Zach. <laughs> I would Sounds like that. Good. I'm hoping to finish a little bit better than I did last year, but um, we're not talking whole, about that right now. Okay? That's a whole nother topic of discussion. I finished really rough too, but George did well, didn't you, George? Uh, I did well up until the very last week when Lance Lynn and Aaron Savale decided to give up about 14 runs in like <laughs> what was it oh like six? Uh, that I don't Lance know, like, Lynn start was brutal. Yeah, yeah. You so were... Lance Lynn and Aaron Savali that last week just oh, absolutely oh. killed me. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, I mentioned him a little bit earlier, but next up is Whit Merrifield. We know what Whit is. We don't have to really harp on him too much. Power, a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, good batting average, leading off for a good team. He's a solid player. You can kind of set him and forget him. I did just draft him in a league we're in together, George. You're in, you're in that league, right? Uh, the Which one? The, the relegation the relegation. League. Yes. Okay. We're, I'm in so many leagues right now. So I yeah. literally have three drafts going on and our auction. <laughs> yeah, that thing. That thing's nuts. Yeah, you guys I got are the, out of your mind. I have another one starting up tomorrow too. Um, yeah. So there's that. Um, but yeah, but yeah. I am in. <laughs> yeah, and I again, I took with Merrifield. This was before the news came out of all this stuff. So now I'm like, oh. I'm looking at my team. By the way, this is a very not me team. I'm not very happy about it. We could probably have a whole different podcast just on these teams. But, man, I'm not that happy with this team right now. I think it's okay, but I'm really just like, meh. I look at it, I'm like, meh, whatever. But we'll see. We'll talk about it another time. I just, it's, just, it's not a me team. I, I'm afraid I'm about to get drop the AAA next year, man. Yeah, <laughs> my, I, mean, I, I got a very me team. See, I don't. I, don't, I, pick, I got stuck picking seventh, and I realized – I didn't like. I thought I was gonna like sitting in the middle because you can kind of pick up on runs as they happen and get the back end guys of who fall. But then I realized I'm kind of putting spots to take players I don't really want, and then the players I want, I'm like, oh, this is a little soon for them. I just don't really care for them there, and then they don't make it back to me anyway. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'll just take this guy, I guess, instead. And it's been a lot of that, a lot of like settling instead of going and getting my guy. So I have a couple guys in my queue now. I'm gonna go out and get my guy because. They obviously, not that I expect them to fall, but it's just like now I'm at the point where value is relative and I see a lot yeah. of value in play, players. So I'm just taking who I want. But I don't know, man. I'm just sick. I'm just this draft is just like whatever. Like, I'm literally looking at it right now. I'm like, like, uh, like whatever. How but much, there's, how much there's of trades. A hit, how much of a hit to your ego and your credibility as a fanny, fantasy analyst? Would as, it a be, fanny? You, as a fanny? As a fanny analyst, would it be if you get dropped to AAA in this? I feel yeah. like that would, that would hurt. It, is dude at the end of the day so, if i win money overall you can put me in triple a i don't care <laughs> like it's all about profit buddy yeah so i mean we'll There's explain trades, the though. concept a little bit like you know so we had uh, a triple a right well it was a league of experts right 15 team league of experts and then there's the triple a with uh you know listeners readers and 
you know, bottom three teams in the expert league that, that finish the in the bottom three get relegated to the AAA league the following year. And it's redraft. There's no dynasty aspect here. Um, and then the top finishers in the the AAA uh, get moved up to to the MLB, right? The expert league. And there was so much interest in it. Now there's a double A and a single A. So uh, yeah, it's 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 fun. But it can I, I get, think it might right be dropped a single A. It can get it can get, <laughs> it can get real bad if I don't pay attention to this league, but. I did not know that there were trades in this league, so that can be my saving grace if I struggle coming out the gates. But I yeah, there's also a waiver wire. It's it, we only have eight bench spots. There's a yeah, so, waiver, I, so I'm pretty, in my opinion, I'm pretty good with the waiver wire because it's something I'm with with all the deep league stuff I cover. I usually cover well with deep, deep league. Okay, we can. This league is a lot. It's a lot of fun, but the listeners don't we'll, come. We'll for talk we, about it. Again, yeah, I'm we'll sure. talk about it again. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, like you said um, Marcelo Zuna is the next outfielder off the board. Um, yeah, I don't know. He just re-signed with the Braves. How much of last year are you buying into, Zach? I'm buying into it. I think it's a good fit. Um, I think it's going to be an even better fit next year once the DH is officially back. Um, get him out of the outfield. I think he probably was more comfortable at the plate last year because he was able to DH and not have to worry about his atrocious defense. But um, I don't know. There's just so much up in the air right now with everything regarding the DH. Um People still think it's coming back, but I don't know. With a week to go here until pitchers and catchers report, who knows? But, I mean, his stack cast metrics were just off the chart. I mean, put up MVP-type numbers last year. Um, I don't know how sustainable that is in a full season, but I think he felt comfortable in that lineup. And that was in a lineup where we saw Albies hurt most of the season and struggling. Um Acuna really uh, we can we can probably see a better version of Acuna as well he kind of tailed off towards the end and got hurt as well um so I I think him in the middle of that Atlanta lineup for the for 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 next season uh it's a great fit um so I'm I'm glad that he's back there for fantasy purposes and yeah I, I think this is a good spot um what is he the number 12 12th guy between Merrifield and, and Marte would be next so yeah I think this is a good spot to take him where are you at, George? Yeah, I mean, I, I love Marcelo Zuna. We saw, you know, after 2019, uh, it was obvious that regression was going to come, right? Like, his expected stats were off the charts in 2019. He was just one of the most unluckiest uh, hitters in baseball. And, I mean, yeah, he came back in a big way last year. Um, was it a little bit of an overcorrection? I, I don't know, but I think it's uh, he's legit, you know? I mean, I don't think he's going to hit three... I mean, yeah, 338, a bit of an overcorrection, so... Uh, regardless, though, I mean, hitting in the middle of that lineup, it's yeah. I, I'm I really like Ozuna. I think he's going at a good spot here. I remember you were you were big on him going into 2020, George. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't steal any bases, uh, so you know, obviously the 12 steals in 2019 were a fluke. But um, yeah, 18 home runs, 338, a bunch of counting stats. Yeah, I, I really like Ozuna. <laughs> yeah, and some of the fun, uh, some of the fun, some of the interesting things that happened un- underneath the hood the average launch angle has increased th- three straight seasons and with it we've also seen three straight seasons of an increased hard hit rate barrel rate and sweet spot rate so it's like as he's increased launch angle he's made better um contact with the ball as well and then you have you have the batting average you mentioned it was probably an outlier given the track record he's a career 276 guy Babbitt coming in at 391 with being a career in 319 suggests regression as well but we all know he's not going to hit 338 in a season probably ever again. But he and you mentioned the speed. It's his sprint speed has declined in five of the last six years essentially. Like one year he had like a weird tick, like uptick in it, but the sprint speed 
has pretty much declined each of the last six, uh, five out of six years. So it's I don't think you can even really depend on much speed. If you're lucky, you'll get three to five where they chip in, you know, double steal type of things. But overall, Marcelo Zuna is a very solid player. I think there's a lot of safety there. And that ballpark is really, uh, uh, really favorable for him as well. The next man up is a boring player, Miami Marlin, because I have to mention the, a Mar- the fact that he's a Marlin and he's going off the board before any giant or any Met. Um, the Sterling Marte. Marte is going off the board as a 13th outfielder. He is what he is. I think he's a good value here. I really enjoy just seeing Marte fall to the third and fourth round in these 15 teamers. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'll take him. He was going in the second round last year, and nothing's changed. Can somebody tell me why he's falling with no – is it just because everybody around him got pushed up and happened? he happened to be who fell in the in the process? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I can't really explain it either, right? I mean, Marte, he still was a pro- very productive hitter last year. He hit six home runs, 10 steals, 281 batting average. That's pretty much exactly what you're expecting from Marte. And, the you know, on the pace of what you're used to, you know, 20 – home runs and 25 to 30 steals. I mean, he, he's right there. So, yeah, you know he's going to hit, you know, top two for the Marlins there in that lineup. So uh, I, I like him for sure where he's going here too. I like Marte. I've been waiting for years here for the uh, the stolen base regression to come. I still think it's coming. I personally think second, third round is a little steep for my liking. That's why I probably won't have any Marte shares. I typically never do. Uh grab Marte. I know a lot of people kind of like to reach for him in Roto just because of the stolen bags, but somebody I've never really reached on. I just, I'm every year I'm waiting for the regression to come and I still think it's going to come this year. Kind of reminds me with Villar uh, when he was with the Marlins last year, uh, really just kind of just wasn't the best situation for him. Um, wasn't as good as the Baltimore situation. I just, I'm wondering if it's going to catch up to him. Um, the age with his running capabilities, and I don't know. I don't. I don't know if we're gonna see the same Marlins that we saw last year. I, I'm sorry to say that, Mike, but um, you don't say. Yeah, I, I, I've never been in on Marte. I'm probably not gonna change that this. Uh, well, you're no fun. <laughs> no. I just think I, I really do. Just think at the end of the day, Marte is boring, safe, but gives you the stats you need, especially in today's climate with slow bases being boosted the way they are. And he's a, he's a non-zero in home runs. Good source of runs. He's going to probably get hurt. He, But even without playing full seasons, he gets the stats he gets. So I'm not too concerned. The next man up is Randy Arozarena. I've voiced my concerns over him many a times. Is anybody, is anybody pro Randy at, at his ADP of 58, 57.36 overall? Yeah, I, I'm i in on Arozarena. You're it. You're I, it. You're I, the I guy. Am, yeah. Every podcast has one. You're ours. What's, what says you, man? Talk I'm me very him. much in on, on a Rosarena. I mean, he's going he's going 20 to 30 picks after Kyle Tucker and Luis Robert. I'd rather have a Rosarena, especially at, at this price. I mean, I, I think he's legit. I think you look at his track record, you, you look at how he's done recently. I mean, 2019 in AA hit 309, triple and uh, in uh, 116 plate appearances, and then AAA hit 280, uh, 283. Uh, plate appearances he hit 358 he's kind of had this like pattern of like he'll reach a level of struggle and then come back and just tear it up he hit 396 in uh 2018 in double a I-, I buy it man I-, I i buy it i know last year the um you know it looks pretty unsustainable but i mean yeah 17 home runs between the regular season and the playoffs 
in just about 160, yeah, 162 plate appearances. Obviously, um, he's not going to be on that pace, but um, you know, you look at the 28% strikeout rate in the regular season in 76 plate appearances. That came down to 22% in the playoffs over 86 plate appearances. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think he could be right there with Kyle Tucker and Luis Robert, and he's going two rounds later. So, I mean, I, I like it. I like uh, a Rosarena. I'm in on him. The the hard hit rates have been good. He He's always been someone who had, like, you know, pretty good hard hit rates. And, yeah, I, I think he's legit. I think I saw Alex Fast uh, mention he struggled with breaking balls and off-speed pitches. And his swing not being, like, like crazy, like a lofty swing. It's more of like a linear, straight-line swing. It plays well to hitting fastballs. But the big league is filled with players who can throw some really good off-speed stuff. So if he struggled even a little bit, pitchers see their weak that weakness, they're going to take advantage. I just think there's a really big likelihood and chance that we're going to see some growing pains. It's his first full real season. We're, we have a full off-season. Pitchers have, like, have got good looks at him, good tape on him now. They're going to attack him differently, and it's going to be on him to readjust. Can he? Sure. I, I just don't know if I had the confidence in him and not to mention the whole the second he struggles against a righty or a lefty he'll be platooning because it's the Rays. um but it's just one of those things it's like how how patient will the Rays be if he struggles how will i mean how much struggle are we talking a lot a little well, they should be pretty damn patient because he carried them in they the should <laughs> it's, it's also the Rays, and they don't ever do anything they should do they should yeah, have left. They should have left Blake Snell in the game. Yeah, they, they should have. Sh- they shipped their ace out of town. They should have kept Blake Snell. <laughs> they should do a lot of things that that they're a very smart organization, but sometimes they don't think. I think. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I think he's probably. I, but hey, I mean, it's it's okay. It's okay for us to disagree. It's fun for us to disagree. And there, I like the potential. I think it's there. But I th- think you're paying for something that we've seen in a playoff run, essentially. He wasn't bad during the regular regular season by any means, but that was also another small sample. Rosarena just hasn't had the sample size I like to see, and I'm just a guy who's a little less willing to take my chances without I mean, a better track record. Can say these same things about Kyle Tucker and Luis Robert, though? No, they played more last year, and Tucker <laughs> has been knocking on the door for a while now. And he has the prospect pedigree, whereas Rosarena was almost not. I can't say I, I don't want to call him a non-prospect, but he was definitely like outside of top 100s. And I'm not saying that that's like the end all be all for prospect pedigree, but he really wasn't much of like a big time prospect. You know what I mean? He just wasn't that guy. And whereas Tucker and Robert were elite level prospects and they have the pedigree, they have the track record. I mean, and it's weird because if you look at Rosarena, he kind of has some track record in the uh, minors, but it's weird, man. I don't know. I have a hard time. I just need to see it more first. So I'm willing to be wrong on a Rosarena this year. That's really what it is. Well, I did I'm draft willing... a Rosarena in the fifth round did in you? our relegation league. Yeah. So we're going to see. We're going to see. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but honestly, at least you're a man of your word. I have yet to actually uh, end up with them on my teams as well. So right now we are both men of our words. Zach, you are a man that we don't care about your word. Um <laughs> 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 all right i'm just kidding speaking will, of your word buddy i, I want to hear about your i will yeah. keep my words brief but uh, you both make compelling arguments for rosarina i really do like the skill set i am concerned if they if he does struggle um i don't think he really would be i don't think there's too many other options that would replace him in the lineup if anything it's I the race. See 
<laughs> if anything, I could just see them dropping him down in the order. Um, maybe calling up Brujan and moving. Um, they have Josh Lowe too. Josh Lowe can come yeah. up. Putting one of the Lows or the Lows in the outfield, I could see that possibly happening. But um, I, I agree. I think I think they owe it to him to kind of ride him out after. They don't owe it to anybody. They lost the championship. They didn't win it on his back. Stop it. No one owes the anybody anything. The reason they got there was because of it. that. That regardless of the truth to that, the reason why they lost is also because of some decision making. If, if they sign more players, well, he never was on the team either. Though I don't know. The I thing just I do like about Rosarina in terms of team structure, in terms of you building out your fantasy team, if you do pass, if you take a pitcher early, or if you do pass on some of the, the stolen base guys, I think a Rosarina in like the fourth or fifth round, I think that is a great spot to take him because I do think he's gonna give you some return on that investment and give you some stolen bags. And in that aspect, I think he could be really good in terms of building out your team. Give me Austin Meadows over Rosarina. Yeah, I said it. I like Meadows too for a bounce. Med- yeah, I like I like Meadows too. Yeah, definitely. But anyway, and, we he we're getting off we're getting off track because we Austin have Meadows is really far down there. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's he's a value. He'll be in part two because gonna we're be tra- sec- he's going to be part two guy. Yeah, we're trying to get to the top twenty five and he's twenty sixth, and we're only at sixteen, and we're almost right, an hour go. in. Power top through 20. these. Okay, George. Aaron Actually, Judge. you know what? Zach. Aaron Judge. Gets Aaron her Judge. All Zach. The time. Gets her all the time. We he, we know what he is. He's a stud when he's healthy. Do either of you believe he can stay healthy this year? Nope. <laughs> no chance. No, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, no. Are you guys at He's all? Somebody gonna... that I completely take off my draft board because the past, what, two, three years, this has continued to happen, and I'm just, I, no. Until I yeah, see him play I mean, a full season now. Yeah, I mean, can he? Yeah, he did it before, you know, 2017, he played a full season. But, yeah, I mean, this is three years now, and I, I'm with you, Zach. I'm just pretty much crossing him off my draft board because I just don't, want to take on this risk um in the oh, we're looking at like you know the sixth round um yeah no i i don't want to take on that risk this this early in the draft uh, i know the upside is there but the likelihood is he's gonna miss him at some point. all right kevin biggio more like cabin cabin biggie no <laughs> um go <laughs> 17th outfielder off the board. Oh, the reaction. I see. Oh, it's awesome. I love seeing you. I see Zach laughing off on the screen. It's great. You guys can't see that, but we, we video, we video conference. Yeah. It's hilarious. Kevin Bigino going at 60, 60th overall 17th outfielder off the board. Now that Simeon was signed, they right now, if you look at roster resource, he's pegged to bat sixth. I think realistically he, he would either bat ninth or bat second. I don't think like the on base skills, being sixth does no does the team no favors. Whereas if at least if he bats ninth, he'll be getting on base for Springer and others behind him. I can't get behind the price. I can't get behind the ranking. I just can't do it. There's too many unknowns now. And he's more of a compiler, in my opinion. He's a guy that gives you like 20 to 25 home runs, 15 or so stolen bases, but over a full season because he's getting those play appearances and getting on base a ton. But if he's not batting first or second, there goes the on base, you know, the, the, Play appearances don't play to his advantage anymore. So with less play, play appearances come less stats. So Biggio is a guy that I think as long as he's batting towards the bottom half of that lineup, I'm going to have to avoid. Do either of you like Kevin Biggio at this price? I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. I like Biggio as a player, but I think this is a little too high for my now, liking. Now, OBP leagues, this makes more yeah. sense. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say that. OBP um, is elite. 
Yeah. You're looking at a 2020 player here who has position, multi-position eligibility here. Uh, we've talked about it last time, like a Jeff McNeil type player, but this one actually steals bags, but hits for uh, 50 points less in the average department. So it's a trade-off and it's really how you're building your team. But pick 60, it feels a little too rich for my blood. Another breakout last year was Trent Grisham. He's the 18th outfielder off the board. I initially wasn't sure about this. The more I I look into him, the more I kind of like him. Uh, But George, we'll start with you on Trent Grisham. Thoughts? Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, I mean, I do think with all the pieces that they have there, we might continue to see him, you know, hit lower in the lineup against lefties. Uh, But I mean, that that team is just getting so stacked. I I don't know if that's even going to be an issue. I mean, he went 10-10 last year, 251. You can't really expect, a, a, you know, a good batting average, but another guy who can go 20-20, you know, maybe 25-20. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I like I like, uh, I like Grisham. I, I'm not so sure, like, I like him. I'm just not sure I like him at this price, but I don't know. I mean, a lot of these guys here who can go, like, 20-20, I think they're kind of a that kind of goes to show that like you can wait on on outfield like this is kind of just why i like taking like the tatis turner story um guys like in the first round because there's like there's a lot of these guys in the outfield right like if they were playing like second base uh or shortstop like they'd be going a lot higher yeah and trent grisham's a guy that i'm really i'm kind of like i said i'm really interested in a guy i wasn't in on initially and kind of grown to like because i really like his skill set grisham Posted 32 home runs and 13 stolen bases across three levels in 2019. And then you mentioned he followed up with a 10-10 season last year. And he just, he's so solid. The plate discipline is really what sells me because I'm a big plate discipline guy. He swings uh, far lower than league average while having a better than average O swing and swinging strike rate. So he's very selective. And and while being selective, he doesn't chase. So that's good. And then... He does that like he manages to be selective, not chase and make above average contact. That's like almost perfect. Like that's like it's like an ideal situation. And then, of course, he's shown better strikeout rates in the minors as well. So there could be some growth there. But overall, I agree. Like the batting average is going to be kind of held at bay until, unless he's a little more. Maybe he's a little more aggressive at the plate and that plays to his batting average like it does for others, like a Luke Voigt type. But Grisham, I think, is just a solid, safe guy. I, like you mentioned, he couldn't move down against left-handed, left-handed pitching, but that's fine because that means majority of the games will be leading off. You know what you're going to get. Power, speed, runs, probably some RBI as well because that lineup is really damn solid up and down. Trent Grisham's a guy that I've grown to – I'm okay with the price. Like He's not somebody I actively go out and seek, but a guy I'm willing to take if he falls to me in the right place. That's all I got to add about him. He – he feels like a regression candidate to me. Oh, uh, there's Debbie Downer. Uh, I just I think there might be safer players uh, going after him that I would prefer. Um, Ooh, I'm probably I'm probably not going to have two shares. Um, sorry, sorry to ruin the fun here, but somebody had to do it. Yeah, well, on that note, I'm gonna say goodbye to you and george will continue the show um <laughs> speaking of the show let's get the show on the road with brandon oh it doesn't rhyme show and lao dang it brandon lao i'll try and do another bad joke but it didn't work because lao dare you um got one <laughs> george zach is shaking his head oh uh brandon lao going 19th overall for outfielders um i was really big on brandon lao last year for some reason i'm a little apprehensive this year and i don't know why do either of you share the same apprehension or are both of you okay with this cost? George, where you at? 
Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about him in our second base preview, and he kind of just pretty much picked up where he left off in 2019. He's going to be someone who uh, is going to be a little streaky, uh, just the nature of his game. He, he strikes out a bit, but um, I do like that he walked. He, he did improve on that plate discipline last year, um, started walking a little bit more, cut down the strikeouts a bit. But, yeah, I, I mean, the StatCast metrics, you know, the barrel percentage, the hard hit, it's all fantastic, you know. 17% barrel rate last year, 14% barrel rate the year before. The guy can definitely hit. And, um, yeah, I, I don't mind him here, especially at that second base outfield um, eligibility, right? I mean, yeah, I, I don't I don't mind his price here at all. Yeah, and the one thing I like about Brandon Lau that was really intriguing was um, it's a small sample, but for, so far in his career, he's a 250 hitter with a 315 OBP and a 527 slug against left-handed pitching, which isn't bad at all because that's actually a WRC plus of 128. But that's largely due to 2020's numbers because 2020, he took a step forward against left-handed pitching. He hit, he had a WRC plus of 206 this year, this past year, which is crazy with a triple slash of 300, 417, 720, which is unrealistic. I mean, he posted over 1,000 OPS. So Brandon Lau, there's, a, there's obviously two extremes here, how bad he was in 2019 against lefties and how great he was against 2020. My point is, though, is that's good enough to keep him from platooning. As long as we can keep Brandon Lau off of a platoon in Tampa, he's such a solid and safe bet, in my opinion, because good there's some there's good power there, plus power, some decent speed, nothing special. You'll be lucky. You might get like six to eight, maybe ten stolen bases, I think. But that's gonna come with good runs, good counting stats. The batting average is always gonna be up and down, but he tends to overperform there a little bit on a consistent level. So Brandon Lau's a guy that I'm okay with again, not a guy I'm overly I'm overly trying to like go out and get, but somebody I'm okay with following to me. I, I have to remind myself of this. I think I hear a lot of people so out on Brandon Lau, or at least not really big on him. It influences me. But then when every time I look at him, I'm like, oh yeah, I really like him. There's a reason why I targeted Brandon Lau heavily going into 2020. There's a reason why I should still be on him, I think. But yes, Zach, do you have anything to add to this? No, you guys did good. All right, cool. <laughs> Got the, I, I don't have time for you anyway. Here. Fine, I'm I'll throw to, you trying trying to speed it along. Yeah, that's fair. You're right. Uh, I'll throw Michael Conforto over to you. Mets fan, take over. Conforto. Conforto or Conforto? No. Conforto. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, we saw Conforto kind of just uh, take that next step last year. I know me and you, Mike, were were big on Conforto going into 2020. You were big even into 2019. 2019, yeah. Just took a few years. Um, 322 year last year. 412 OBP, nine homers. Uh, he he will sprinkle in a few bags as well. I mean, I think you can expect five to ten bags in a full season. Um, I think you're going to obviously see some batting average regression. XBA was around 284. I think that's a good number. I think he's probably about a 280 hitter uh, with, a, with a great on-base percentage. I really think that we could see him take another step forward this year. Um, he's been hitting lefties much better in recent years. I think early in his career, that was his his big struggling point was against lefties. He hit 284 against lefties last year with a 384 on base. So uh, they can leave him in the lineup against lefties, especially at the top of the order. I mean, this is a 3-4 hitter now for years to come. Um, if you're not really desperate need of stolen bases, like I would rather have Conforto over guys going much earlier than him, like Grisham and Kevin Biggio. Uh, I feel comfortable that a Conforto breakout is going to continue in 2021. Um, so yeah, I was going to ask that. I was going to ask. I was actually yeah. going to do the would you rather uh, Conforto? You mentioned over Biggio and Grisham. Would you take him over Brandon Lau as well? 
Um, it depends on roster construction. Obviously, the second base eligibility is nice, but if all that's out the window, I'm probably taking Conforto over Lau. What about Aaron Judge? Conforto. I ranked it that no way, No hesitation. Too. <laughs> I, I ranked it that way, too, because I looked at it like this. Aaron Judge, we know he could be bigger for power. We know that. We know he can have better counting. Well, I don't know. Mets have a damn good roster. But I but, honestly looked at it like this. I'm like, Conforto is healthy. Conforto is always, I mean, not always healthy, but he's healthier. He's been healthier of late. And the home runs won't be a terribly, terribly like different compared to judges. So I'm like, I'm just going to rank Conforto there because there's a level of safety there that outweighs the upside, in my opinion. Where do you have Conforto in your personal rankings? I have to go find the draft kit. I have no idea. Um, I'm looking I would at probably the, be comfortable putting him in like the 15, 16 range. I want to say, I don't think I was that high because I, um, I, I sprinkled. I sprinkled in DA, uh, DH only guys in the ranks. I think you have to, an eight, eight. Yeah, but that, but that also has, I think, no, I don't think it has anybody. DH wise is at nineteen. There it is. Yeah, I, I was a little more aggressive on Alvarez than I, than I expected to be because I realized we're getting to this area where I'm like, I kind of want some upside here. But Conforto is just yeah. a fall safe fallback, so I'm a little more aggressive though. I, I have him above eight, uh, above his draft slot. So yeah, I'm not far off. I've always been a pro Conforto guy though. But speaking of Oh, nope. Oh, I ruined my own transition because between your guy, your Conforto, and George's Lourdes Gurriel, there's a Teoscar Hernandez in the middle. And I think we all like Teoscar, but at the same time, we all see the potential for regression, mostly in the strikeout rate because of the strikeout rate. I'd say being a 30% strikeout rate guy doesn't usually sustain good batting averages, but we saw the growth there. There's a lot to actually believe in in terms of the power and speed, but the batting average is a big question mark. And where does it hit in this lineup? Is anybody really optimistic about Teoscar? Are you guys kind of like uh, apprehensive at buying in and giving the cost? He's the 21st outfielder going 74.8 off the board. On yeah, he's another guy for me that I'm kind of just crossing off. I, I think there's just so much risk there. Um, I mean, we've seen him, you know, he has the tools to hit, you know, 25 to 30 homers and steal some bases. We've done it before, but it's come with the 230 batting <laughs> average. And yeah, I, I mean, to see him, you know, revert back, I think regress- regression is going to come. He still struck out more than 30% of the time. Yeah. Um, still chases a ton. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so no, I, I think it's just too much. The profile is just too risky here for me um, at this point. And yeah, you, you mentioned like, you know, the, the, uh, Blue Jays, I mean, they're stacking that lineup. And if he struggles, you know, I, I think he definitely uh, has a chance to move down or maybe even see his playing time cut a bit. Yeah. yeah. And right now, Grichik is left on the bench in all of this just because their team is so deep. So I, I agree that 30% plus strikeout rate is alarming. He's probably somebody I'm crossing off on my draft list as well. Uh, I think the first slump that we see, I think we could see some playing time decrease for him. So, yeah, uh, I'm not comfortable with with that um, ADP for him. What, 74? It's just, no. And then his teammate is right after him in Gurriel, who I'd much rather have. Speaking of Gurriel, you mentioned he's going right after him at 22nd overall in the outfield. George, I'll let you take this one away as the Gurriel guy. (laughs) Yeah, you know know I love Gurriel, man. He's, uh, He's awesome. So, yeah, last year really uh, kind of broke out right 11 home runs uh three steals hit 308 cut the strikeout rate down a bit um i just i just really like uh the profile here for uh guriel 11 barrel rate 49 percent hard hit rate um I, I think he's just a solid bat i think he's just a really good bat and uh i, I think he 
right now he's projected to hit seventh, but I think he could very well hit, you know, much higher if, um, you know, we'll see how it shakes out initially. But we mentioned the risk that Teoscar has, and so I think uh, Guriel has a chance to definitely move up that lineup and be, uh, you know, contributor across the board. I think one of the more valuable uh, players in that lineup, and him going here at 82 overall, I, I think I think is a pretty good bargain. He's a guy, Guriel is, I should say. Um, just some interesting things about him was the hard hit rate with Guriel uh, was 49.4%, and that increased for the second straight season. And he actually lowered his launch angle a little bit. And with it, there was a small bump in ground balls, but but still the line drive rate was actually the big increase, like the thing that increased the most. And with that, we saw him cut down pop-ups from 9.5% to just 5.6%. So that change in the approach can help sustain a better batting average as a whole and the power will still play even though he's hitting more line drives so i really like guriel i like the things we're seeing he's uh, maturing as a player he's just getting better overall a guy that i'm not really too uh i think he's a guy you can kind of just count on where he's going not not flashy not as fun as other players but somebody i think is solid and safe uh next man up we're finishing we're rounding up here nick castellanos talk about solid and safe can I just ask one simple question? We know what Nick Castellanos is. We know he underperformed. You can look at his stats and see that there's a lot of positive regression coming. But will he ever be the guy we expect him to be? We thought he was going to do it now that he's over there in um, Cincinnati. I think Castellanos will finally have it in a full season with a regular offseason and a chance to ramp up. I do think Castellanos will finally break out. But what if... And I'm saying this because I, I, it's going to be funny because it's probably going to happen. One of the best hitters parks in baseball that remain is Cincinnati. What if they got the humidor? <laughs> and, 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 and the ball is dejuiced. Yeah. And the ball is dejuiced. So now will he ever be the player we hope he can be? I don't know. I want to believe. Somebody help me believe again. I'm okay. The price makes sense. He's kind of just going where he always goes. He's always the same area, the same, like, Oh, like yeah. there's, a floor, there's a high floor there, but there's always a ceiling that he just hasn't reached yet. And he's still in his prime. Castellanos can still very much be a dude. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think you, you put it well. I mean, he's going, even if you get exactly what he's been giving us over the last, you know, four seasons, and that's, you know, mid to high 20s home runs and a solid batting average, you know, 289 in 2019, 298 in 2018. Um, I, I do think that. You know, he could get back up to to those levels, and he has that potential for more. I mean, he did hit 14 home runs in the 60 games, so we see that power potential. And, yeah, I'm still very much in on Castellanos. I, I think, like you said, pretty safe floor. George, uh, George, I did it. It took me all episode. Zach. Um, <laughs> Thought we were past this. Apparently not. No. <laughs> it's been three years, um, dude. You really, or two going on going on three years. Or we're starting third year. It's been, it's been two. No, I'm not asking you about Nick Castellanos. I want to know about your love and infatuation about Jeff McNeil. We've talked about him on previous podcasts, but yeah. you're the Mets guy, so I'm I... always going to let you talk to, about them. But we're, we're going to let you listen. We're going to let you rant on why you love him, and me and George are going to tell you why you're wrong. But go ahead. I already <laughs> ranted on him last episode. I don't know if I feel a full on rant coming. Not again. full on rant, but a quick analysis because not everyone listens every episode as much as I wish you would, and we recommend you always do. But um, if you're listening to this episode as a new, new listener, we did just talk about a few of these guys yeah so if you, do, if you do want a real rant on jeff mcneil go back two episodes but just to give you a little tidbit i, I i'm in on jeff mcneil like i was saying before i was kind of comparing him to bgo similar players but just uh the batting average and the stolen base difference uh multi-eligibility 
Um, I think Jeff McNeil is a 300 hitter, going to compete for batting titles. I think he's a 20 to 25 home run threat. Uh, he's going to sprinkle in maybe five to 10 bags um, in the season. And uh, I think as long as he continues to hit, uh, I think he'll be in leadoff for the two hole. And I think you can expect maybe 90 to 100 runs as well, especially with the guys behind him in that lineup. So I'm a big McNeil guy. I think this is a good spot for him. I, I find myself taking him in a lot of drafts just because of the flexibility that he gives you. Um, I have him at second or third or outfield in different formats. It really just depends on how you build out your team earlier in the drafts here. So I think this is a, a very safe floor for a player. Um, uh, I think there's a lot of guys in this. Like I would take him over Teoscar Hernandez. I would probably take him over Gurriel. Um, some guys going after him as well uh, that I would take him over here. But I, I think he's just a very safe player. Uh, you guys were making fun of me last time because he's he's nothing sexy at all, which he really isn't. But you know what? Those types of players in fantasy can win you leagues, even if they're not the sexiest player. So I think McNeil uh, could definitely be uh, a, a good piece to your, your your fantasy team for 2021. Just boring. Yeah. You're, <laughs> you're, you're boring. He's not going to be anything flashy. I rank him 30th at, at outfield because he is – Batting average with a little bit of power, and that's it. Like, yeah, I mean, twenty twenty five is not just a little. That's that, that, that's. I think soft. he's the guy. Wait, I think he's the guy. That, I think many? he's one of those that get affected by. Oh, here we go. How many? I said twenty to twenty five. I stand by that. Twenty to twenty five home runs. You want to put a wager on it? <laughs> I think you might have you two think wagers. He's going to hit twenty to twenty five home runs and hit three hundred. I do. I think. I think it's definitely doable. Doable, I don't know. I don't know. I doable mean, he, and betting on it are two different no, things. No, no. I, I think you're gonna get one or the other. You won't. You won't get both. I mean, you look at his 2019. He he had a big power surge in the second half of 2019, right? He I'm so home happy runs. that you two are arguing. I, he hit 276, <laughs> though. I mean, which is which is still good. It's still good. But is he gonna be that kind of player? Like, is he gonna? I don't know. I I think it's gonna be one or the other. I don't think you're gonna get both. I was ranting in the last episode about McNeil that he was working on. Uh, it definitely looked like he was working on his launch angle this this season. He's posted some Instagram videos. I definitely think he's going to try and boost the power numbers a little bit. That may affect his average a little bit, but we've seen his average. What he's around like the three twenty range for his average. I think we could I think he could add some home runs and some pop in there and still keep the average above. 300. I don't think he's a 320, 330 hitter with 20, 25 home runs. I think he would be closer to 300. And I'd gladly take that in fact. I hope people listening still are enjoying the fact that it's not me arguing <laughs> with Zach for once. Because <laughs> it's always me arguing with somebody, but it's not me. I'm, I'm sitting back here enjoying this. But we have to move on and finish this off strong. We have one more player left. Charlie Blackman. Man, the fall from grace is real. 34 years old, I think. <laughs> yes, 34 and last year he kind of showed some regression. I mean, he started off. Remember, he was hitting like th- crazy hot for like three weeks, and then mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody was um, thinking he was like the MVP. In yeah, first as I mean, we saw the dip in average exit velocity, hard hit rate, barrel rate, even the expected batting average was twenty nine points below his actual batting average. You think there's some floor there because you know he has cores. I don't know if there's gonna be a lot of teams just like knocking down the doors to try to take on that contract, but. What concerns me, and with aging players, we see this, is the plate discipline is trending downward. Two straight seasons, we've seen black men have a decrease in in the contact totals as, as well as an increase in swinging strike rates. So he's not making as much contact. He's swinging and missing more strikes. 
you can chalk up some of the lackluster performance to the short and crazy season, which is fine, but there's still other things just pointing in a downward uh, direction for, for Blackman that keeps me really concerned about him entering 2021. He's outside my top 25 outfielders. He's at 31. I think I, I pulled up the draft kit just to see. And honestly, if I was re-ranking right now, I would probably drop him down to 35-ish below Loriano and Carlson, maybe even Solaire. So, like, yeah, I, I was actually a little higher than when I initially did my write-up on him because now that – well, even Dom Smith needs a drop. That's a whole other discussion because you Mets, you Mets are uh, really making things interesting over there. We'll <laughs> talk about that next episode for sure. But um, anybody else want to talk about Blackman? I know I just kind of ranted on him. Anybody have any type of confidence in him? Or are you guys both kind of out at this point? I'm okay with taking oh, him if he, fall, if, he, if he falls to me. Um, I mean, he really – the decrease, the 10% decrease in hard hit rate is is definitely concerning. But, um, I mean, he still he, – he played well in in July and August last year. I mean, hitting uh, over 350, uh, close to 350 in, in July and August. And then he really just tailed off in September. Um, I think everything kind of would have evened out a little bit. Obviously, I think the skills are depreciating in the, as he gets older here. But – um, if he falls to me, I guess I'm okay with taking him, but um, it's not somebody that I'm aggressively targeting in drafts. Yeah, I don't really have much else to say about Black. <laughs> George, if anything, Just kind of a black. <laughs> no, I'm with you, Mike. I mean, we've seen you see the uh, zone contact rate dropping mm-hmm. year over year, basically since 2015, um, and I, I think uh, Coors can only carry you so far, right? I mean, he's we know that Babip gets really inflated there, so. Uh, maybe he could still hit that, you know, 280 to, you know, maybe 290. Um, but yeah, at some point it's gonna, at some point it's something's gonna give here. And with him being 34, going into his age 35 season, I'm, I'm out. Yep. And on that note, we're all out because we cover the top 25, and these outfield and starting pitching always run long. So we appreciate you listening. Don't forget you can follow us all on Twitter. George is at Roto underscore Nino. Zach is at Braff C. I'm at Mike underscore Curland. We have a bunch of work coming out, podcasts coming out. We're going to keep busy. For some of you, Fantasy Baseball just started. For us, it's been going and we'll continue to do so. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget to hit that five-star rating and review on your way out. It's greatly appreciated. And as always, we will talk to you soon.